Welcome to the Avowed Podcast. I'm Jasmine Lilly. So I have a confession to make. Podcasting is really hard work. Being emotionally and intellectually tuned in during interviews and trying in vain to avoid saying like and um, agonizing over how to promote and lure in listeners and taking several hours a week to edit one hour of content and hoping that somewhere down the line, sponsors will miraculously appear so that I can afford to be doing this. Before you suggest that I actively seek out sponsors, would that I could. Everything I have found regarding podcast sponsorship indicates that once I've reached a substantial listener base, the sponsors will come a-knocking. As you can imagine, this is a deeply frustrating process for someone with proactive tendencies. But mostly, this whole endeavor is difficult because I am shooting content out into the abyss and hoping it lands in the right ears. There is a huge amount of trust going into this process. And every once in a while, those feelings of self-doubt creep in and I find myself questioning if it's all worth it. I'm saying the struggle is real, but also it is a struggle of my own making. So don't misunderstand my transparency as an attempt to garner your pity. I'm telling you all of this because hearing from you about how this podcast affects you or why you found this conversation exciting and necessary is so encouraging. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned I received an email from a listener and that it had made my day. Truth is, it was the first of its kind. Hannah Easterly from Knoxville, Tennessee was the first voice reaching out of the abyss and that felt huge. I may possibly have shed some joyful tears as I read her email and though it was not her intent to appear on the podcast, I decided it was vital to speak with her. Hannah grew up in Tennessee and owns her own apothecary in Knoxville called Wild Lavender. She also harbors a deep love for Montana, thanks to a great many visits out west to her mother's Forest Service cabin. So when it came time to plan a wedding with her fiancé Michael, Hannah shared her long-lived fantasy of an intimate exchange of vows next to her mother's cabin in the abundant wildflowers. She even wanted to order a little cake by yours truly because apparently she's been following my business whipped for quite some time. But asking all of her friends and family to fly out west quickly became a daunting and unrealistic ask. When she emailed me, Hannah's excitement had fizzled. She was stressed out and frustrated with trying to fold her family's wants and needs into her vision and was hoping for some guidance. She was questioning the legal institution of marriage and whether it was a vital part of her love story in the first place. All that and more on today's episode of Avowed. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah, I'm so happy that we were able to do this. Thank you so much for the email that you sent. It really... It it came at the perfect time. I was like really struggling with feeling like, what am I doing? And is this like reaching anybody? And then I got your email and it um it really made me feel wonderful. So thank you. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I understand like your feeling exactly about not being able to tell if if you are reaching people. And I'm all the way in Tennessee, so it reached pretty far for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were following Whipped for a while. I remember, I'm, I've definitely noticed your um, Wild Lavender likes and stuff, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I love it. It's everything that you make is so beautiful. Thank you. And yeah. creative. Oh. Like, I love all the little, like, it's like a painting on a cookie. It's incredible. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's um, it's a little outside of the box for sure. Like half of what I do is just educating people on like, hey, this is what cakes and pastries can be like, because I think yeah, people have like a pretty um linear idea of like what a wedding cake is. And I'm constantly like, or it could be anything. <laughs> right. 
So you said that your mom has a cabin out in Montana, but you didn't grow up here, correct? Correct. We She bought the cabin, I think, about ten, eight or ten years ago, um, and she kind of fixed it up. It's a forest service cabin, so that's really the only reason she hasn't moved there. <laughs> but she's uh, fixed it up and put a cute little kitchen in it and added plumbing, so it's really nice when we go stay. It's not super primitive like some of the other little cabins up there, but... Oh, we love it so much. So tell me about your wedding situation. You and your fiance, when did when did you guys get engaged? We got engaged uh, the first week of December. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like forever ago. <laughs> How long were you guys together before he, I assume he proposed? Yes, he did. Um, we were together, it's been five years Um we started out like not totally dating. We started out doing like the best friend thing, um, which I think was perfect for us because it allowed me to get to know him really well without messing up my independence that I wanted with my early twenties. So that was really nice. But, um, he was always kind of pestering me to have more than just be friends. So eventually it it worked out and we started dating probably about three years ago and then proposed in December. And we had been talking about it, too. It wasn't a total surprise. I picked out my ring and everything. So it was. (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you listened to the most recent episode. I just launched an episode talking to the editor in chief of Catalyst wedding magazine and she was like what the fuck is with proposals like they're actually kind of horrifying like just to blindside somebody with like this huge question and then put them in this space where they have to like give you just one answer because if it's any other answer like they're like everything falls apart and I I was like you're right they are really messed up I thought about it for a long time I wanted to say something besides yes that meant the same thing as yes. So for months, I was like rattling my brain about what I could say. And I think what I said when he asked, I wasn't like, it was an exciting moment, but I think I said probably. And that was like, he, and I had told him like, I'm going to say something and it's not going to be yes, but it's going to be basically yes. And so when he asked me, I was like, probably. And he was kind of like, what? (laughs) I was a little surprised. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you're, even if you're expecting it, I don't know. I mean, marriage is, it's a confusing thing. And I think like what you were saying in your email to me, it's something that you've always thought pretty critically about and not something that you necessarily were like jonesing for. Right. Yeah. And I'm the same way. And so it's, I feel like, um, you know, obviously I've been with Patrick for quite a while, but I, I go back and forth about the whole thing. I really wish that I was like just the chillest and like didn't care at all about any of that and could just be like, yeah, whatever, we're together, it's fine. Like it doesn't, you know, but I think about it. I think about it. I mean, obviously I work in the wedding industry, so I'm like steeped in it and (laughs) it's pretty hard to avoid. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I can't figure out what exactly it is about the whole thing that feels so necessary even to somebody who never really thought that it would be. I totally 100% feel that. And like in preparation for this conversation, I, I was talking to my fiance this morning and I was like, why, why do you think we're getting married? I mean, I've asked myself that question so many times and he was like, it's because what everyone it's what you do when you're in love. Like he said that it's, that's part of society. Like, why do you celebrate Christmas if you're an atheist? Like it's very simple in his mind and he's the most uncomplicated person I've ever met in my entire life. So it makes sense that he would think, okay, it's like what everyone's doing. So that's why we're doing it. Um, but I, I'm kind of like you, like, I, I, I don't want to do it just because it's societal norm. I want to do it because of this reason. And it's really hard to find that reason. Man, it's so hard to question everything. I'm like, <laughs> I wish I could be simple like that. I wish that I could just take things at face value sometimes and be like, yeah, that feels right. Or that's just what you do. But um, it's really good. But it gets me in trouble sometimes like that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's also like the root of my anxiety, right? Like I have a hard time falling asleep at night sometimes because I'm thinking so hard about everything. And I'm just like, God, why can't I just chill out and like, (laughs) enjoy this? But I do think that especially with a decision this big, like it's, it's important to think hard about what it means to you. Because 
the, I don't know, marriage has meant something pretty, um, pretty clear cut for a really long time, but that is a really antiquated notion, right? Like marriage was an exchange of property and the property was a woman and there was very obvious gender roles at play in, in marriage. And, um, and it was like you were being kept and (laughs) like there, it was, it was like a business transaction in many ways, (laughs) Yeah, but, but yeah, it's, that's not what it is anymore. And I think that painful as it is to think about all these things ad nauseum, (laughs) I guess I would so much rather do that than just jump in and then, and then have, these thoughts later on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or regret not thinking about it. Like to, to think like, I don't know, like five years after it happened, think, why did I actually do this? Like, I want to know in the moment that what I'm doing is for the right reason. It's like a preparation thing in my head, just to it's doing your homework before the big speech that you're giving at your wedding or whatever. Yeah, literally. (laughs) So you had mentioned to me in your email that you were trying to figure out kind of what you wanted to do with the wedding itself because you had always pictured something really small and intimate and maybe even like borderline elopement situation. Yeah. But it had, you know, since your family was involved and you were just feeling really um, obligated to like meet the needs of everybody, it's kind of taken on a different shape. Is that like what's what's going on with you right now? Yeah. So and I've even made more headway since I sent the email to you. So I'm, I'm really proud of the accomplishments I've made in the past couple of weeks. Awesome. But um, I have some more solid plans, at least. Um, originally, I had wanted, and this was like way back when, I never really imagined myself getting married as a little girl um, because my parents were both, they're wonderful, amazing people. But my dad in particular was always like, just, just don't do it. Like, just don't get married. You can be with someone, but just don't marry them because this is why. And he would like go on this financial spiel and stuff. Mm. And it's like, it comes from two divorces and things. But, um, I, I guess it affected me more than I thought it was when it was happening because, um, suddenly like I'm 18, 19, like thinking about, you know, being with someone for a long time and, I thought like, well, why wouldn't I get married? And I just started to question that a little bit more. Um, But I thought maybe in, if I did do it, it would just be a small like exchange of vows um, without the legalities of actually getting married with a license and everything. We could just have like a fake wedding ceremony in a way (laughs) with our family to watch and like a party kind of thing. And then just say we would tell people that we were married and that's even what Michael and I joked about before that's my fiance before we um actually decided we do want to get married but we would just say like we'll just tell people we are because it's way less complicated than explaining to someone why we're not married Mm -hmm. um so yeah when it's about intention I feel I mean there's such a huge difference right between intention and then like what's written on paper and what's legally binding. I've never particularly understood the legally binding part of the equation either. I I guess there's like tax breaks, you know, people people often make the decision based on like, you know, property or um healthcare as a family. Exactly. Like but none of that would affect us. I did look into that because I'm naturally curious and a researcher and I wanted to know if it was going to make a difference, but I also didn't want that to be the reason that we're doing this. Um, but I looked into it and there were no benefits that would affect me. I'm a small business owner and, and yeah, so that's definitely not a part of the equation at all for us. Yeah, it's not part of the equation for me either. I've, I guess I've always pictured something similar to what you just described also, like, um, like a ceremony, because I think that ceremony and celebration in life is really important. I think that mm-hmm. it helps usher us into new phases of our lives and create sort of corner, like touchstones in our memory and in our mind for you know, important life events. And I just think that it's, I don't know, love to me and um, committing yourself to somebody else, whether that means monogamy or not. I think just committing yourself to somebody else and figuring out how to adapt and grow alongside someone, it's a really difficult and complex undertaking. It's not a simple thing and it deserves to be celebrated because it's like kind of a BFD. (laughs) 
Yeah, it really is. It totally is. It's hard work for yeah. sure. It's the hardest job. Yeah. So I feel like from that perspective, um, I think a lot about the difference between weddings and marriage, right? Um, because if if marriage is just committing yourself to somebody and sticking it out and dealing with the good stuff and the hard stuff and being, you know, compassionate and challenging one another and trying to be the best partner that you can be, if that's what marriage is, then like I'm already married. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, well, but that's not what marriage is. At least that's not what everybody seems to tell me. <laughs> and marriage is what's on the other side of a threshold. And the threshold is the celebration of the decision to do that. It's like you have to, I mean, you don't have to, but like this is kind of what's ingrained in us is that you have to make the decision and you have to do it publicly, write it down on paper and bind that shit, lock it down and celebrate that binding business agreement. And then on the mm -hmm. other side, you're married. I'm constantly trying to reconcile like what is the threshold and what does it mean? I think there's a lot of people out there who want the wedding but don't necessarily want the marriage. I think there's a lot of people who are already married in terms of intention who want the wedding because they feel like they deserve to celebrate what they already have. And I think there's a lot of people who want the marriage but could give a shit about the wedding, right? <laughs> I feel like those are yeah. those are the three camps. Um, or you just, like, don't care about any of it. <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> single for life. And, yeah, kudos to you. Do it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, too. <laughs> also, that's reductive because it's not that simple to be in any one of those camps. <laughs> right. But I feel like you and I fall into a similar camp. Definitely. We feel like we're already married. Um, so, like, what what is the wedding and what purpose is it serving? And I think that for you, especially being that, you know, that you already do have that connection and that that's not what this is going to bring into your life, like really having an intentional wedding and being sure that, you know, marriage aside, whatever marriage means to you, that that celebration feels right. Yeah. Totally. Like going back to your question too, like I was able to kind of blend my original plan, like how I wanted it to be super small and very intimate. I mean, it got complicated with getting family to Bozeman and just finding arrangements and all of that. It just, it got a little bit overwhelming. I, I thought it would be easier than having a big ordeal at home, but planning something mm -hmm. where you're not living is actually a lot harder, I think. But we have decided that we're kind of doing a pre-wedding honeymoon slash elopement. So Michael and I are just going to Bozeman together the week before we're having our reception slash get-together celebration party back here um, in Tennessee. So it'll be kind of fun to get the best of both worlds, and I feel like that way I'm not missing out on something. My biggest worry in this whole process was – to feel like after this ended, not having a moment like where I got to wear a dress or a moment where I felt like a bride was really important to me. And I didn't think it would be, but when I went wedding dress shopping, like I didn't have that special moment where it just clicked and like my mom cried or anything, but I tried the <laughs> dress on and I thought, wow, this is kind of real. I could see myself and I want to wear this in front of my family and I want my parents to be able to see me in this moment because I have a brother that is probably never getting married. <laughs> and so I'm kind of the only one that they'll get to get to see be married in that moment. And I really, I thought that was special for them and for me. So I'm glad I decided to kind of make it work both ways, but, and I still have some things to work out, but I just, I really want my family to be able to see some part of it. So splitting it into a smaller wedding with just me and Michael and then coming home to have a big wedding here is, is kind of going to work out for us, but we'll see still. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. In your email, you were like, what should I do? <laughs> and like, I know. honestly, that would have been my advice. Oh, so good. you arrived there before I ever told you what I thought about it. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's exactly how I would do it. I am not a fan of putting all of your eggs in one basket. I think it's a really bad idea. Yeah. I think that there's too much pressure on that one day. And I think that you're setting yourself up for disappointment when you do that. And I think also that we try really hard to figure out how to create a day that will please everybody, mm -hmm. which 
is so impossible, right? Because the wedding and the celebration that your parents and your family wants for you is almost never going to be the celebration that you want for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, and maybe this is just like, I'm always down for more reasons to celebrate and like, yeah, let's break it up into 10 different celebrations. Like whatever, I'm into it. <laughs> like I just love to party, but I think that, <laughs> Same here. I think that having an elopement and following it up with a, with a reception makes a lot of sense to me because then you get to have that really, that intimate moment, I think that that threshold is so different from the public party down moment. I think that the promise that you make to each other, you know, in that situation is really personal. Like I've, I've never, I don't know, I don't know how many times you've been a guest at a wedding. I've been to very few weddings where I felt comfortable as a guest in the ceremony. I was always down to party and like, celebrate their love for them and hug them and be like this is badass like I'm so stoked for you guys and Mm -hmm. like give them my congratulations in that moment but but there's something about the ceremony itself it feels really weirdly voyeuristic right to be sitting in your aisle like watching this really intimate thing happen and I've definitely been to a couple weddings where where it was amazing and I was crying and I was yeah. like, this is so beautiful and touching and what they're saying feels so genuine and from the heart. But most of the time, the ceremony itself feels like this weird play that's happening. And it's like, like they're just going through the motions and like checking all the things off the list so that we can get to the party. And yeah. I would much rather that if that's what it's going to be for people that they like, scrap it, have their own private, intimate moment where they swear themselves to each other, make whatever promises they feel like they need to make, because I don't need to hear those promises. No, really. Yeah. I trust. I trust that they know what those are and that they're going to like have that dialogue with each other. We're not all witnesses. I guess like that's that's really what people are there for, though, to like witness that and, and hold them to it. Yeah. But um I'm really happy that we're doing this privately because the idea of saying the things that I'm planning on saying to Michael in front of everybody would make me so anxious and nervous. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be feeling those kinds of emotions in that moment. I want to feel everything else, all of the positive ones that I know I'll feel. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of like everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's sort of this double-edged sort of being the bride. There is a part of it that's really exciting about being in the dress um whatever the dress is it doesn't need to be white it doesn't need to be a ball gown like just being in the dress and feeling like this powerful presence that embodies love I think that is so thrilling at least to me um so I totally hear where you're coming from when you're talking about I was shocked that I wanted to be a bride and actually have that moment because yeah I think a lot of people are shocked when when they're faced with an opportunity to have that red carpet moment or whatever we want to call it. I think that that is such a special experience, but it's also really complicated when you're adding in that pressure of like performing, right? And performing something um like saying words that aren't just a script. You're not you're not an actress. You're not right. like reading some lines that some writer wrote for you. Like you're pouring your heart out and to do that while you're the center of attention. Like that's so vulnerable and terrifying and it is. And I have a lot of respect for people who do it and who do it with with that vulnerability. One of the weddings that I went to that did bring me to tears was a wedding I did a couple summers ago. It was a friend of mine and I did like ice cream sandwiches and like this awesome cake and their wedding was so fantastic and they had such an unbelievable ceremony. Like it was the only time I've ever been like, let's do this again. <laughs> I, I didn't want it to end. I don't even care about the reception. Let's keep doing this. <laughs> oh, wow. That's huge. I know. And I and I want to get them on the show because um, because what they I wish I could remember. I wish I had like recorded what they said to each other. It was so beautiful. But one of the things that they did bring up was, you're all here because we want you to be a part of this relationship, because you are our sounding board. This is a story that involves more than two people. Like, a life is not made up of just us. It's everybody. It's our community. There's definitely a way to, I think, 
have that same vibe, that same um, like asking that of your guests in the reception space where it's not where there's not like a spotlight on you and you're not standing at an altar. I don't know with all that pressure breathing down your neck. Right. Because, you know, stuff like that comes up a lot in speeches, too speeches that people give at your wedding and if you stand up and speak I think that there's a great way to have a balance of those two things I'm all about having that bridal moment like yeah what's up let's have a blast and like I'm gonna dance in this rat dress (laughs) I know I'm excited about that too (laughs) but I don't know that I would want to do that while I was like looking Patrick in the eyes and saying like I'm spending the rest of my life with you and promising all of these things yeah it's funny we've like bundled them all up into one you know, long day. And I'm not sure anymore about that. It's too much. Like, it's too much emotion for one day. Like, you can't go from a ceremony. Like, I've never been to a wedding ceremony. And I've been to several that was actually like, fun. I mean, and that's not to offend anybody. But um, it's always very serious. And typically, there's, you know, Bible verses being read. And it's, it's a protocol that you have to get through each part. It's like going to a church service where there's a, a hymn being sung. And like, I don't, and that's, I'm in the South too. I'm in the Bible belt. So yeah. every single wedding ceremony I've been to incorporated a lot of Bible verses. But um, yeah, it's always been not as enjoyable because you're just sitting there listening to someone teach you a lesson. And then I am always ready to party afterwards. And usually at the at the more biblical weddings, there's not a fun reception afterwards. <laughs> but um, I want to have a really fun one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think w- the type of wedding you're talking about is is different, right? Like I think we can we can say that people who are are very religious are getting married for different reasons more than likely yes. than you and I are getting married. Um, so maybe we want to call it like a more bohemian approach or something. But yeah. I think, um, yeah, I'm on board. It's (laughs) the ceremonies. Oftentimes I feel like you're slogging through them and you're just like, oh my gosh, I've only been to one Catholic wedding and it was, um, (laughs) I was shocked. I mean, I I was just like, wow, there's so much pomp and circumstance. Yeah. They're so long too. Oh my gosh. They really were. But I mean, to be fair, it was all worth it because when they were like walking away from the altar, the light came in the window in this perfect way and like illuminated them. And I managed to get a shot on my phone and it was like the most incredible. It was like, I don't believe in a Christian or Catholic God or whatever. But in that moment, I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was incredible. And also as a side note, I'm not usually a fan of people taking a lot of photos on their cell phones at weddings, but I'm really glad I was there because nobody else captured that moment and it ended up being one of the my friend's favorite pictures of her wedding day. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you've got to like read the moment and if it's the right time, you have to just wing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what are you what are you planning for your reception in Tennessee? Yeah, so um I'm not wearing my dress in Montana just because I only travel with a carry-on and I don't want to cram it in there. Yeah, um, and I enough. also want the first time that Michael sees me in it to be when I have someone to do my hair and like my makeup a little bit. And so I just feel I want to feel really good in it and not yeah. just put it on with nothing on my face like I normally have. <laughs> So here, and we actually, like what you were saying about having a couple people or like 10 people watch you get married, like a tiny ceremony. I am, since my family was supposed to come to Montana and his family too, just like his parents and his brother and my parents and my brother, very small. Um, we agreed to, if, if we didn't invite them to the Bozeman, the Montana wedding, then we would have them come about an hour before the ceremony to do, or an hour before the reception to do like a pre uh, reception ceremony. And it would be very, very small, but then I would be able to walk down. Like it's going to be outside. My dad has a um, barn in Maryville, Tennessee, and it's right at the foothills of the Smokies. So it's got a really pretty landscape behind it. And he's actually painting the barn white. He's meant to turn it into a wedding venue for a long time since he bought the property. But this was the final push that he needed to like actually start doing work on the barn. So we're really excited that that this gets to be the, the first shindig happening there. 
That sounds awesome. It's going to be it's going to be really cool. We've um we've ended up getting some awesome vendors. I'm really excited about them and then we've I think there's about 115 on our guest list. So it's probably a small to medium-sized wedding if you're looking at like actual wedding numbers. Yeah. I think it sounds huge, but <laughs> It's not yeah. crazy big, but it's like all of our families. We didn't really have to leave anybody out and then some pretty close friends too. But I'm just – I'm really excited to see family that lives in Europe that I haven't seen in four years and just give everybody a reason to have a family reunion in a way and not make it be just like totally about me but just more like this is a chance for everybody to meet Michael and everybody to see like what we're doing in Tennessee right now. Yeah. It'll be cool. Yeah, I feel like from a purely um, get everyone in the same room perspective, I was saying something to Patrick the other day. I said something about like wanting to get all of my best friends into the same place. And he was like, yeah, good luck with that. They're all over the place. And I was like, well, you know what would get them all into the same place is a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) That's another one of your hands, right? right? (laughs) But there's something about the wedding that like really forces people to make the effort and to come to you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. If anything, I think that's reason enough to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if you have loved ones scattered across the world, I think that that is a absolutely reasonable to yeah. do it. I think, <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty magic to get everybody into one space. I wish I, I, wish I could do that for any other reason. <laughs> Actually, for my birthday a couple years ago, my birthday is July 27th, so when I turned 27, I wanted to have a really special birthday party and I ended up having what one could argue was a wedding for myself it was a really (laughs) nice like dinner party and I I hired a photographer had like a really nice dinner party which I'd never done before and it was really wonderful and I had this bride once that I was talking to I don't know she was being so chill about her wedding and I think I I mentioned you know how chill she was being and she was like oh yeah I throw parties all the time (laughs) that's so refreshing you know yeah again more reasons to celebrate to just take the pressure off of this one day and I love this elopement situation, more or less, in Montana. Is that going to be just the two of you? Yeah. So we're we're calling it like the elopement honeymoon because we're going – it's like our honeymoon before the wedding or before – I like it. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about going to the courthouse in Bozeman and getting it legally done there. We might come back to, t- to Tennessee to do that or we still might not do it at all and just surprise everybody and not, not be married we're still really uncertain about that um but it'll it'll probably happen in in montana like just go into the courthouse while we're there yeah and we might we're gonna do some like honeymoon kind of stuff michael really wants to um drive to wyoming and maybe climb the tetons and i'll not do that <laughs> and i'll like stay at a spa in, in town or something <laughs> i don't know um, we just we want to make that like the fun trip that we both want to do stuff on instead of just a mission to get married. Yeah. Um, so that when we come back, we are feeling relaxed and refreshed and kind of ready to loosen up and party with everybody instead of that week before a wedding. I, I actually do a lot of facials for brides like about a week before their wedding. That's how often you're supposed to do it. And, um, or brow waxes or like other waxes, mm-hmm. um, just to get people ready for it. And I'm always super nervous cause I'm like, you don't have a lot of time for your hair to grow back if I mess up, but I never have. Thank goodness. <laughs> no um, pressure. <laughs> but the week before, yeah, the week before though, they're always so frantic and there's so much that still needs to be done. And I don't, I'm already like that in my day-to-day life that I don't want the, that time. I, I have family coming in the week before, so we'll get to spend so much time with everybody. It's like, kind of like you've said in other episodes, like not putting all your eggs in one basket. And then also just being able to span it out over a week's period. So you're not stuck with just this one day where you have to see and visit with everybody that's come in for this one moment. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Yeah. We're, we're going to get married on August 21st. The moon is doing something cool. It's like a eclipse or something interesting. Ooh. Or I don't know. It's like the moon's going to be the biggest that it's ever been in like 16 years or something. So that's happening on the 21st. So we might wait. That sounds magical. And I know it does. Like we'd always plan on doing it on on a Saturday because that's just how it's typically done. 
but we might move it to like Monday just so we can have it be on that day. Yeah. And if it's just the two of you, who cares what day of the week it's on? Yeah, I think exactly. people always do the Saturday because they want to have like the reception directly afterwards. Exactly. That tends to make sense for a party. But yeah, if it's just the two of you, wait for the right time. Yeah. Yeah. We probably will do that then. And then coming back and the the week after that. So the 26th is the reception day and that's on a Saturday. Well, and so you're going to have like a small ceremony before that with just your family and then the big reception. Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. I almost feel like we need to rethink our wedding planning process and be like right at the beginning before we decide on a color palette or a theme <laughs> or whatever it is. It seems like that always. I haven't done any of that. <laughs> yeah, screw that. I mean, it doesn't, you don't need to. I'm curious what the first step that most people take is, but it's got to be somewhere in there, right? Um, yeah. the venue or, you know, I'm sure I'll... I think the date. Yeah, right? You For me, it was the date because I had a venue, um, but I guess typically venues book up so fast that you need to consult the venue before you find your date, so... That makes sense. So venue's the first thing that people do, but I feel like before any of that, I think it would be a really good practice to, like, make a list of your wants and expectations and needs yours and then also your partners and then make a list of what your family wants and needs and then try to figure out what makes sense in there like where is crossover where is something that you want absolutely not going to line up with something that your parents want and then be like okay realistically how do we make all these things work because maybe they're not all going to fit into one day maybe this is going to be three events which is more or less what you're doing. I mean, two of them are on one day, but I think it's really smart. You're having that private ceremony for yourselves and then you're having, you know, the ceremony with just your families, which is going to mean a lot to them. Yeah, it is. And to you in a very different way than than what the elopement is going to be for you guys. And then you get to like celebrate the whole endeavor with everybody. And I think that if we sort of laid things out in that way, the needs and the wants and the hopes and desires and really yeah just sort of listed it out and then we were like oh wait we don't need that or this is a totally unrealistic expectation I didn't even realize I was harboring (laughs) yeah I think that that would be like a much better way to start the entire planning process I agree 100 percent um it it would have been really nice to have that list from from Michael's mom, my fiance's mom, and mm. from my mom, just to know because they they've ended up helping so much in the planning and just coordinating meetings with vendors and giving me ideas for caterers and it's they've been super helpful. But they both had two crazy different visions than what I originally wanted. Um, on both hands, they wanted it to be a lot fancier and more expensive than Michael and I were wanting. And Michael from the beginning has repeated to his parents over and over, like, you can't put a price on fun, like beer, like we we're going to end up having a full bar, but, um, we were just fine with having beer to start beer and wine, but everybody kind of put their two cents in and said, you know, Michael's dad was like, it'd be nice to have a scotch on your wedding day. Like, <laughs> so it ended up just getting a little bit bigger, which I understand. And that's all stuff that's going to add to everybody's enjoyment of the occasion. But yeah, um, absolutely. A lot of the time with family, they're like, well, I really want this. I'll just pay for it. And you're like, okay, if you're just paying, that's that's cool. But yeah, um, like whether or not we recognize that there's strings attached to everything. And I think oftentimes people who are offering things don't even realize that there's strings attached. And usually they're emotional strings, right? Yeah. Um, and feeling like their needs are being met or that they're being listened to. Like as soon as money gets involved, yeah. people feel really, yeah, like there's a sense of entitlement and they're like, they want to make sure that they're being heard and the peanut gallery can get really big really fast when that's happening. And it's, um, I see it happen all the time with people. Like it's just a really difficult balance to strike when you're planning a wedding, meeting the needs, especially of the mothers of, you know, of both partners because um because a lot of women I don't know we live vicariously through our children yes definitely <laughs> seems like more so than more so than fathers oftentimes yeah yeah and I feel like it would be a good idea in the onset even just give everybody a questionnaire and just be like hey fill this out and like tell us what you're expecting from our wedding day we're definitely not promising you're going to get any of it yeah. but it'll help us figure out like what we can do to like 
make this a special day for everybody. Yeah. And then to like get a lot of that hard shit out of the way in the beginning and be like, we hear where you're coming from with this, but it's not what we want. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think that's definitely something that new engaged couples should think about doing. And, but at the beginning, I remember nobody gave their input because I feel like they didn't have any. It's when you as a couple like start generating these ideas and start, you know, putting pen to paper and making things happen that they say, oh, you ordered like napkins. Like it would have been nice to have your name on those. Or <laughs> when it when things start happening, that's when people put their two cents in. And at that point, it's like already crazy. And and you can't take anyone's input because you're already handling so much. So yeah, and it's hard in those moments to to stand up for yourself, right? To advocate for yourself when you're if you don't have like a crystal clear vision about how you want things to go, it can be really hard to advocate for yourself when you're hearing from all different sides like, "Oh, you should do this and you should do that." And you're like, "Wait, I don't you like, I haven't even had time to think about what I want yet. Yeah. Like, I'm not ready to process what you want." Yeah, exactly. I wonder how that would happen. It's, again, another reason why I feel like I would want to elope is to, like, just mitigate a lot of um, input from family members. And, I mean, I love all of these people in my life, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be a really hard thing for me. Yeah, it's hard, especially when I don't have a vision, like, at all. Like, I still really don't. Like, I know it'll be pretty and we're hanging lights, but I don't have – flowers picked out or a color palette and my wedding's in five months. So I feel like I'm really behind for a lot of things, but to do what I'm trying to do, since I'm not orchestrating a huge ceremony, I don't, I think a lot of the planning goes into the bouquet that you're holding when you walk down the aisle. But in my case, like I'm just worried about the arrangements that are going to go on the tables and how to get the bar set up and where we're going to put it. And like, that's kind of all I really have to worry about at, at the moment, which is nice. It takes off a lot of pressure when you just have a party and you don't have to worry about this huge ceremony with music timed for your steps and like mm-hmm. your bridesmaids walking. It just, I think it's a lot simpler. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you would be the perfect guinea pig slash candidate for this idea that I had about like really letting your vendors pitch you ideas together collaboratively because you are just so ready to have a great time but you're like not super concerned with exactly what that looks like yet yeah I wonder if it would be possible for you to get the people that you have hired together in one room and maybe you and Michael could just you know here are the things that we're really excited about and like here's some information about us and what we love and like what do you guys think that we should do and just have them spitball ideas because I bet they would come up with some really interesting stuff. I bet you're right. Yeah, I enjoyed your perspective on that when a couple episodes back you mentioned how you're dying for a client to just say, "Do what you want with my wedding cake." Like, let me know, of course, like what you're thinking about, but I want you to be creative and design something once you've met us and you kind of know our personalities and I think that's I think that's incredible and I really wish like I had more connections with my I I do have pretty good connections and I don't have everybody picked out yet but um, I want to give them that freedom because I think that uh, like availability to express themselves would be would come out in my favor on the wedding day for sure. I think it would too. And I bet um, even if your vendors don't know each other particularly well, if you were to like shoot all of them a group email and just be like, hey, I'm thinking about giving you guys a little bit more of like a collaborative, creative freedom approach to this thing, because I, I'm really interested in like the feeling that I have on the wedding day, but I'm not you know, tied down to what that looks like yet. I don't have a vision for what that looks like and how we're going to arrive at that space yet. So I'm really interested in hearing what you guys have to say. And also if you guys maybe want to collaborate together and like come up with some idea, because I mean, what's cool about a lot of weddings these days is cohesion, right? When you like see something popping up in a couple different places and it feels really thought out, Mm -hmm. but that can obviously go way too far overboard sometimes or so many weddings that are dominated by theme but I bet that if you like gave them that opportunity that they would really be so stoked to have it and they would rise to the occasion my 
in in my findings, creative people often have way higher expectations for themselves than you could ever possibly put on them. And they are always excited to one up themselves and figure out like, what's the next cool thing that I can do to get better at what I'm doing and hone my craft. And we're so rarely, at least in the wedding industry, given that opportunity because there's just not a lot of people have been dreaming about something their whole lives or they've been like infected by Pinterest and Instagram and they really want to follow this trend or that trend or um, or whatever it is. I mean, it's hard not to see all of those beautiful images and and be like, yeah, that I want that. That's beautiful. Let's have it. Um, yeah, it is inspiring. It is. It's absolutely inspiring. Um, but I bet that, yeah, I bet if you gave them some creative freedom and you spoke with them about taking the reins a little bit or just like coming yeah spitballing ideas and like throwing something at you that you hadn't mentioned to them I mean some people might be uncomfortable with it some people might be like wait 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 I need a color story what's this goddamn color story yeah exactly but I imagine that a lot of them would be like whoa cool well actually I had this idea but it hadn't really fit with anybody do you think that this would make sense for you and you'd be like um yeah that sounds amazing let's do it yeah I think I think I will definitely have to do that. Um, right now, I just have my caterer and cake maker, and then a florist picked out. I'm still working on a photographer. The photographer was something that I didn't think I originally wanted, but from listening to the first few episodes of your podcast, I realized the importance of it and. I'm trying to corral some different names for people that live in Knoxville that would be willing to to go to Maryville to take pictures because I do think that's very important at this point. Yeah. It's getting closer and I want memories captured. Photography is definitely something that being in the industry I've come to value in a big way. Yeah. And especially individual styles too. The episode that I did with Kindred um, was such a fantastic conversation, but their style is what drew me to them in the first place. And, um, you know, I I could never in a million years have like planned to have that conversation with them. But I feel like in reaching out to these photographers who had this style that I felt like really managed to convey intimacy and vulnerability, like it's no surprise really that that's where the conversation went. Yeah. yeah. So. I think there is really a lot that you can tell about their personality and the way that they work in the way that they photograph. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure that there's some really fantastic people in the area, and I'm sure that they would be willing to travel. And it's a really pretty location. I'm sure they would want to do it for sure. It's really close to Blackberry Farm, actually. I'm sure you're familiar with Blackberry. Yeah. It's in Walland, Tennessee. It's like five minutes from where we're having our reception um, but it's nowhere. It's nothing like Blackberry Farm. It's, it's my dad's <laughs> house, but um, it's still beautiful. Still beautiful area. That's going to be awesome. So what are the elements that you are sure that you want on at the reception, I guess? Well, good food was really important to us. And we also didn't want to have it. We're starting at 7 p.m. since it's in August. It's late August. Um, and it's so hot and humid in Tennessee that we wanted to have several hours of nightfall. And I thought that would be really pretty to, to have like lights strung um, through the trees and like to the barn. And most of it will actually take place. Most of the party um, will actually take place outside of the barn on this like grassy knoll that's like leads up to it. There's a silo that my dad has renovated and turned into, um, an, a honeymoon suite actually for when future people will, will rent out the venue, but he's put, um, like plumbing and a little kitchenette in the silo. So it's, to it's like a cute little Airbnb, but the main floor, we're going to have the bar on. So people will kind of walk into the silo when they want to get a drink. And we're not, like, we're from Tennessee, but we're definitely not country folk. Like, I don't even have an accent. Having a barn wedding was always something I thought was, like, just not, I, I, I didn't, I thought it was too hick to do. But it's actually super classy. And since Dad's painting it white, I think it'll look, it'll add, like, a sense of elegance to it. 
Um, and the food truck, like we went with food trucks because we didn't want to have like a catered sit down meal. Um, we thought it would be too hot for that. And we want people to be able to eat and drink at their leisure instead of just being forced to do it at a certain time for this situation. Like I, I think catered events are like where you have to sit down are beautiful, but, um, with this, it's just going to be so hot. We want people to be able to leave if they want to leave earlier, just not have to worry about a timeline. The food truck that we went with has her truck is totally beautiful. It's called Chelsea's food truck and it's like a lilac lavender color. So against the white barn, it's going to be incredibly beautiful. I'm really excited to see that juxtaposition. Yeah, that's going to be great in photographs. It is. I know. It's just all the more reason to get a good photographer. But um, the food trucks actually specializes in gourmet grilled cheeses, which sounds so weird. And Michael and I aren't like, oh, grilled cheeses are our favorite food. We just ended up really hitting it off with her. She's She opened her truck, I think, in January, so it's very new. But her like customer service was excellent from day one. We reached out to so many different food truck catering businesses and a lot of them were just slow to get back to us and just not really like we didn't vibe with them. Like they weren't feeling the same, like the feelings that we want for someone that's going to be with us on our special day. So when we met Chelsea, we were like, okay, like you've got the job before we even tried her food and her food was incredible. So we're really happy that we found her because she was prompt. And I think that's incredibly important. Like someone you want someone that's going to show up. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking as somebody who loves grilled cheese, that sounds amazing. It's really cool. Yeah, it's such a fantastic comfort food, too. And I think as a guest, I'm always thrilled when it's something like that. That's a little bit that's less pretentious, but like, it's like soul food, right? I would much rather have like, awesome soul food than prime rib I mean call me crazy but (laughs) I'd take grilled cheese any day same here yeah and it adds to like the casualness that we wanted like we we wanted people it's going to be outside we don't want everyone to wear a tuxedo like it's garden casual clothing we just it's going to be hot and we thought people don't want like a big meal so we thought we would do like half grilled cheeses which they're huge so a half is really big um, and a side like kale salad. So it's a little bit, it adds a little bit of elegance to it when you get like some berries and a kale salad. Mm-hmm. And also it's going to be nice to have something cold on a hot day. Yeah. And then she makes really good fries with this like Tennessee famous seasoning. That's super spicy and delicious. One of her, um, I think another like thing that made it seem like fate with her was one of her sandwiches that we ended up picking for our event has lavender goat cheese <laughs> and lavender is obviously really important to my life. So lavender goat cheese just made it sound like, okay, it's a sealed deal. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. I want to make a lavender goat cheese sandwich right now. Yeah, you should. You probably have all the tools. <laughs> Oh, I wish. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid <laughs> cheese and bread right now. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds oh, miserable. It is. Yeah, we'll see how long I last. <laughs> um, who's your baker? Um, Magpies Bakery. I don't know if you've heard of Magpies. It's a local bakery company. They have two locations in Knoxville, but they. I had a sweet 16 birthday a long time ago and she made my sweet 16 cake and it was a tiered cake and it had like a walrus and a mermaid and like just really weird quirky stuff on it because I was kind of a weird kid I still am weird (laughs) but it was it was a cool cake and I let her have freedom and I ended up with a walrus on my birthday cake so that was pretty cool that's amazing what are you have you guys discussed what you want the cake to look like or anything are you just kind of going to give her creative freedom I'm going to give her some freedom. We have a tasting set up on Monday, actually, um, to try out the flavors. I definitely want lavender to be incorporated in my cake. Um, Michael, but, like, that's kind of all I've really thought of. I like the naked cakes, like, with just a little bit of frosting because then you can put, like, cool flowers and stuff on them. But, again, I'm really going to let her kind of figure out what she thinks we should have based on us. Um, But my goal for the groom's cake, we want to do something more whimsical. And since he's really into like ice climbing and mountaineering, we thought it would be cool to have some sort of like Lego figurine or some other kind of figurine on top of or climbing up his cake. 
So that might be cool. Yeah, the naked cakes, um, I think it's going to depend on how you feel about frosting because I think the reason that that trend sort of came into being in the first place was like there's so many bakeries that have frosting that's just like really sweet. And I think that a lot of people were like, uh, I'd like a little bit less frosting on my cake. But if her frosting is really kick-ass, then... You might want her to frost it. Her frosting is really good. Yeah. She's like kind of famous for her buttercream. I'm, I'm curious to hear what she pitches you. Yeah. I'll let you know for sure. Especially if she put a walrus on your last cake. That I sounds know. awesome. Oh, it was really cool. <laughs> and I love that she did your Sweet 16 and that she's doing your wedding because um, it's funny as a baker in the wedding industry, um, there's not a lot of repeat customers, right? People get married once and then you're like, bye, never to see them again. Oh, Yeah. And so it's cool when when you're doing like these big like life milestones to see somebody again like that. I bet that that's really special for her to have yeah, have done your sweet 16 cake and then to be here, you know, so many years later doing your wedding cake has got to be really cool for her. Yeah, that's true. Well, we definitely want um I'll have to email you about this, but we want you to make a cake for just me and Michael when we go out there and we'll eat it over like a week, however long we're there. <laughs> Yeah, that would be fun. I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah, and we can meet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm so excited that you are coming out here because in your email, I wasn't sure. I was like, are they still going to come out here or are they not? And I'm excited to hear that you are, that you're prioritizing that for yourselves and that you're, yeah, that you're making that happen even though it's not going to be originally what you thought it would. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad too. It all seemed to finally work out after a long time of questioning what what we were going to do, but I'm happy it's figured out. I also want to mention you had said like that he might go ice climbing or something or yeah, climbing in the Tetons and that you might go to a spa. And I think that that's awesome because I think about honeymoons and like just kind of this forced concept that like you have to spend this entire week with somebody or however long it is that you're there and that you're supposed to like love spending every moment together. And I feel like yeah. It would be laying an incredible groundwork for your marriage to be like, let's spend some incredible time together, but then also let's prioritize our own needs and do what we want to do and then come back together and be happier for it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's always kind of how we've done things, but I've never realized that it's it's probably helped our relationship be successful for that reason that we don't depend on each other. And we don't like a lot of people, I'm very different than him. Like I'm very business focused. I'm constantly working on ways to make wild lavender grow and blossom. And Michael is, he, he's a manager at an outdoor gear store and he loves his job and he really enjoys it. And he, he, through hiked the AT in 2011. So he like loves to do long distance, like independent trips. He was just in Alaska for two weeks. Like, and I, I've learned at first it was kind of like when we were in more of the honeymoon phase of our relationship, it bothered me and I wanted to spend every second with him. But now I'm, I'm kind of happy to have a little space. Like it's always hard the first couple days, but then we, we figure it out for sure. Yeah. I grappled with that a lot in my life. There's a lot of divorce in my family. So I definitely didn't have like an example of like a pristine marriage or even a successful one (laughs) to um, base my own relationships off of. But I did read a lot of young adult romance novels when I was a kid. (laughs) And so I think that unfortunately, that sort of formed the foundation of my original concept of love and marriage and soulmates and all this stuff. And a lot of those young adult romance books are like, really suffocating relationships like where these people cannot be separated and if they are it's like just so dramatic and and so I think originally I was like that's love you just want to be around this person all the time and when they're not there you feel like you're dying and (laughs) fast forward um to my early 20s and I was like yeah no I definitely cannot handle being around the same person all the time in fact Patrick and I have this like joke um as many as many of the best relationship jokes are based in uncomfortable facts, which is that like I <laughs> which is that like I have this habit of he calls it spiny, but it's like thorny. Like sometimes I'm just like, I need to be by myself and like I can't be hugged and like I need to just go do Yeah. And, I'm the same way. and I love that he can recognize when that is and that he can laugh it off and be like, Are you feeling thorny? Like, all right, go do your thing. Like just get out of here. I'm the same way though. Some people can handle being around each other all the time and I just 
no. Yeah, it's good that like Patrick's accepting of your eccentricities because Michael's kind of learned the same about me too. And my mom like will even joke with Michael like, okay, like we we actually live at home right now because we're in the process of building a house. But he, um, my mom will just tell Michael or give Michael a look when he walks in the door and just say like Hannah's in her in her bad mood right now or not a bad mood, but just like Hannah's being weird. Um, because I just need my alone time or I just need a second to, to reset or not be touched or not be smothered. Um, and it's definitely, it's odd, but it's a characteristic that I have that Michael's had to learn to, to deal with and work around. And sometimes it's hard, but I think he's pretty used to it by now, as I'm sure Patrick is with you. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think it's that odd. I think that we've been told that love is all-consuming and that you want, you're going to want to be around this person all the time, every day, 24-7, and when you're not around them, you're going to feel the loss of their body next to you. And I just, I think that what we're talking about is far more common than than we like to admit publicly in our society. But um, on the on the rare occasion that somebody asks me advice on like, what it's like to be in a long-term relationship. The one thing that I always say is that, for me at least, um, the most important part has been acknowledging that we are not two halves of the same whole. Like, we're both individual people and that there's um, allowances on both ends of that, that he has things that he loves to do and, you know, sometimes I'll do them with him Sometimes I'll suffer through like a crazy camp trip that I wasn't necessarily stoked on, Um, (laughs) you know, and he'll make sacrifices for me too. But, um, but I also don't think that like living in this way that you need to sacrifice yourself for the other person all the time. I don't think that's healthy. I think that it is really important to maintain a sense of independence and autonomy. And, and I, it's, you know, to me, it comes back to like, you can't do anything for anyone else if you're not being right by yourself, if you're not taking care of yourself it's like building a house of cards on a shaky table and and it just won't do and you know voicing what you need and prioritizing your own desires like I think that we should all be doing a lot more of that yeah and that's the conversation that you're generating right now that like the people that aren't listening to you talk to all of these guests, like it's making us think about those things that, and, and feel open to sharing. Like, yeah, I think it's great. Thank you. I think we should be open. Yeah, I agree. Cause I, I think it's one of those things where we always assume that it is going to sound crazy or that it's not going to be received well. And, um, in my experience, like voicing your needs, as long as they're not, you know, batshit crazy, it's generally going to go really well because nobody wants to try and figure out what the other person needs or is thinking. Like we have to voice those things to each other and we have to make sure that we're being heard. Yeah, exactly. It, that's it. Communication is just, I think that's the one key to like everybody would agree that's been married for a long time or that has had any successful relationship would tell you that communication is the reason why it was successful. Yeah. And I, I strive to work on it every time Michael and I have an issue happening. Like actually today we're in a little spat (laughs) probably about wedding planning. I don't even remember why anymore, but it's like, I remember this morning, like calling him when he was on his way to work and just saying like, just let me know what is going on with you. So we can work through it together. Like, so just, I think he's just kind of in a little funk with like everything that's happening, which I understand. And I've been in that too. And it's just hasn't happened to coincide with his moment, but, um, I'm feeling good right now. And I think he's a little overwhelmed with everything and just being able to like be open to whatever he has to say about it and not be scared to know why he's feeling these emotions is really important. And also, you know, I think another big part of this whole equation that we're talking about is that communication is key, but also recognizing that you're not going to get everything that you need in life out of another person. Like my, um, Patrick and I have very different kind of spiritual perspectives, if you will. He went to school for physics. He's very grounded in reality. He doesn't believe in any kind of God necessarily like I, I he feels connected to his surroundings and he's and he loves being in nature and I think that he feels like a profound sense of connection 
particularly when he's in nature, but I don't think that he's kind of conceptualized a lot of that stuff and he doesn't, um, I don't know, it just doesn't plague him. It's not something that he's too concerned with. He's very pragmatic and very much grounded in reality. And, um, and I have a little bit more of like a, you know, spiritual, it's kind of an ambiguous spirituality, I guess, because it's not tied to any particular religion, but it's definitely like, you know, um, I believe in like manifesting positive outcomes and like putting out like vibes into the universe more or less and like, and, and getting that back, you know? Yeah, definitely. And in, in situations in my life where I'm really struggling with that, or I'm having an issue where I'm really leaning on that concept, I know that it's not something that I'm going to talk to him about. And sometimes that stings. Sometimes it feels like shit. And I really want to talk to him about it. And I really want him to, you know, hear me and to, you know, reflect back what I'm saying and to be on that same page as me. But he isn't that person for me. Like he fulfills so many you know, needs in my life. And we are such an incredible match in so many ways. But in this one specific way, it's just like not what we have in common. And I have my friends for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have my best friends to talk to in those situations and to and to reflect back to. And and I think we often make the mistake of expecting our partners to be everything that we need out of other people. And that's just impossible. There's nobody that can do that. For right. You. Right. <laughs> oh, well, this has been lovely. I know it has. <laughs> I'm so excited that I'm going to get to meet you in person. Yeah, it'll be really great. Well, thank you for speaking with me. And again, thank you for sending me the email. It meant a lot to me. And um, and I've been like ending my, I'm sure you have listened, but I've been ending my podcast with like, hey, please reach out to me because oh, yeah. I want more <laughs> and people to. you mentioned to... it too. Yeah, I, was, I did. I was wondering if that was my email. That I was you. You got like hundreds at this point. Or... No, that was you. Well, and I was also thinking, I was like, she might have this perception of me like sifting like so many emails. And like, I'm, I'm early enough in the process right now that like, like I'm not getting like a whole lot of emails yet. And so, um, I mean, that's another reason I'm, I was so, I'm really excited that I was able to speak with you because, you know, hopefully in the future I'll be getting so many You'll emails. You'll be busy. That, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have to select it, someone and I don't know if I would have met the cut. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you would have, but it is pretty, I don't know. It feels really, um, ceremonial sort of to be like, this is the first person that reached out to me and like, we were able to have this conversation and now we're going to be able to meet and I'm going to get to make this cake for you. It just, it feels really good on like a cosmic level. Yeah, I totally agree. It feels, feels perfect. Yay. Yeah, no, for sure. Like just getting to talk to you was the best though. And to get to know Thank you a little you. bit more. And yeah. I'll let you go. You need to eat your lavender goat cheese sandwich and oh, or something for lunch. Just or <laughs> not cheese or bread, but just maybe like uh. the lavender alone or something. <laughs> just a fistful of lavender for lunch. That's how I roll. Be okay. <laughs> Oh, that sounds horrible. All right. Well, I will talk to you. Um, t- I'll be in touch soon about the cake. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Anna. I'll talk to you soon. As always, I have an accompanying blog post waiting for you over at jasminrlily.com. Thank you for your continued listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if the mood should strike you, reach out and tell me about yourself. I'm realizing more and more that this adventure I've set out on is without destination and defined instead by the connections that I make with you. So let's connect. <laughs>